0: Welcome to On My Walk, the reading podcast that helps you capture reading's aha moments and apply them to your life and leadership. Now, it's been a long time between episodes, and I apologize for that, but it hasn't been because I haven't been reading. It's more like I haven't been walking. I've had COVID and a knee injury, to thank for that, and I've been navigating some technical challenges, but thankfully, both of those are mostly behind me. Let me get back to vision. I think we've all been captured by great visions. Henry Ford, he said, I'll build a car for the great multitude. It will be large enough for the family, but small enough for the individual to run and care for. It will be constructed of the best materials, by the best men to be hired, after the simplest designs that modern engineering can devise. But it will be so low in price that no man making a good salary will be unable to own one. Or how about Dr. Martin Luther King, his I Have a Dream speech. You know, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. Or back in 1983, when a 27-year-old Steve Jobs pitched Apple to John Scully, the then president of Pepsi, and Apple said to him, hey, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or do you want a chance to change the world? Well, the fact is, a lot of people are content to sell sugar water, and we know that generations are content to live with racial injustice, and we know especially in this day of social media that naysayers have no problem letting you know what they think of your idea, of your vision. You know, this hit home with me the other day as I was working my way through my years with General Motors by Alfred P. Sloan. Sloan had been the president and chairman of GM from 1923 to 1946. And under his leadership, whoa, GM grew to monster proportions, but because he didn't want to publish the book as long as anyone of whom he wrote was still alive, he didn't publish the book until 1964. Now think about that. In 1964, the Beatles were on top of the pop charts, and so was Sloan's General Motors, topping the Fortune 500 as the most profitable company on the planet. Now, when Sloan first published this book in 1964, it sold more than, you ready for this, 50,000 hardcover copies, which in that day was fantastic. But when it was reissued in 1990, Peter Drucker touted it as, quote, the best management book, close quote. That's high praise. Now, in chapter 18, the corporation oversees Sloan discusses how GM conducted its operations on foreign soil. So in 1929, GM was in discussion to buy Opel, the German car manufacturing company. And ultimately, they did. They paid $33,362,000 for Opel. So Sloan, who intends to implement GM's spectacular production practices at Opel, sees the company, in his mind's eye, ultimately tripling its annual output. Now let's listen as Sloan shares what happens when he talks about that vision with the Opel workforce.
1: The purchase of Opel gave us a strong position in Germany. The company's 1928 output of about 43,000 cars and trucks was small by American standards, but we made no secret of our plans for a dramatic expansion. Soon after the deal had been completed, Geheimrat Wilhelm von Opel, the company president, brought all its dealers and distributors together at a big meeting in Frankfurt. Altogether, some five or six hundred of them came, from Germany and from nearby countries to which Opel was exporting. I spoke to the group about the policies of General Motors. I observed to them that, while Germany was a highly industrialized country, its automobile production was very low by American standards, and that I anticipated Opel production might one day run as high as one hundred fifty thousand vehicles a year. When the statement was translated into German, it was received with a good deal of derision. I was viewed as another impractical, visionary American. Yet as I write this, The capacity has been brought up to 650,000 vehicles.
0: Those two sentences. When the statement was translated into German, it was received with a great deal of derision, and I was viewed as another impractical, visionary American. But what happened? I mean, GM didn't triple their output. They multiplied it by a factor of 15. That's amazing. Now, we know that when it comes to vision, whether that be Ford's vision for the automobile for the masses or Dr. King's vision for racial equality and justice or Steve Jobs' vision for Apple or Sloan's vision for Opal, that it takes more than just vision. It takes great knowledge. It takes a plan. It takes production, marketing. You've got to know your key differentiator and you've got to put in a ton of hard work. And it also takes the willingness to be laughed at, to live with a little or maybe even a lot of what I would call vision derision. Now I was thinking about this and Nehemiah came to mind. Nehemiah, I mean, Nehemiah is a leader's leader. God used him to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem in just 52 days. Now he suffered a lot of ridicule from his enemies from those who didn't want him to succeed. And at one point in the narrative, his adversaries try to distract him, to trick him really, so they could sabotage their work by harming him. And Nehemiah, he knows what's going on. So he says to them, listen to this, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? You can read this in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, chapter 6, verse 3. And those words of Nehemiah are great words for anyone living with a little vision derision. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I can't stop. I won't stop just because I'm facing a little vision derision from the likes of you. That's how Sloan approached it. He knew he had the plan. He had the funding. He had the process, the smarts, the people. And just because they couldn't see it didn't mean that it wasn't going to come to pass. So he wasn't going to slow down and he didn't. And ultimately they were turning out not 43,000 cars a year, but ultimately 650,000 automobiles. One approach to vision derision is to let it simply slide off your back like water off a duck and press on. You don't have to have an answer, but if you do, try Nehemiah's. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. I can't stop. I won't stop. And that's my thought on my walk with Alfred P. Sloan in his book, My Years with General Motors. Now, my question is, What will you do with that thought on your walk through life today? Hey, before I sign off on this episode 201, I want to let you know that I just finished my review of Alfred Sloan's My Years with General Motors, and you can find it on the homepage of onmywalk.com. Now, I invested over five hours writing that review, and it wasn't because I was having a hard time getting the words right but because there was so much to glean from this book about which Peter Drucker maintained is the best management book. Check it out and we'll have more from onmywalk.com.